Does your child have a complete emotional meltdown over every little thing? Are you at a loss for how to help your overly sensitive child process and respond to their emotions in healthy ways? Then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. So if you feel led to partner with us, please just go to gingerhubbard.com support to donate any amount. And thank you for your support, listeners. This enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. When our kids watch secular shows or read secular books, they'll often come across something that directly contradicts the Bible. And they'll ask a question like, is that true, mom? Did we come from apes? Is the earth billions of years old? Are there aliens on other planets? Our kids are growing up in a world that desperately needs the light of God's word. And it's increasingly more important to me that the resources I use to educate my kids are from a biblical worldview. This is why our family uses BJU Press. They offer trusted resources for homeschooling through video courses or parent-led instruction. Our family uses BJU Press video courses, and I love the fact that they are taught by knowledgeable and engaging experts in their fields. And what's really great about the video courses is that all three of our kids, including our first grader, can work independently and at their own pace. But if you would rather facilitate your child's homeschooling, if that's more your speed, BJU Press offers numerous resources so that you can manage the different learning styles of your child, know what your student is learning so you can influence instruction, and create a totally customized learning experience. BJU Press Homeschool offers resources to meet the educational needs of your family in a way that will equip your kids for a life of gospel impact. Just go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and get what you need to give your child a solid biblical education. Again, that's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Hey, Ginger, we've had many questions relating to this topic, so I say we jump right in with a question from one of our listeners. Rachel in Kansas writes this, I have a two-year-old who has started grand emotional meltdowns at any sleep time. Should we discipline in love for his meltdowns when he doesn't get what he wants? Will this stunt his emotional development? How do we teach our children how to appropriately regulate their emotions, including sadness, disappointment, frustration, anger, jealousy, etc.? How much do I allow him to express these emotions, and when do I discipline for the inappropriate behavior? Pointing me towards any resources would be greatly appreciated. Well, thank you, Rachel, for that question. From a spiritual standpoint, children struggle with three different kinds of emotions. They have validated emotions, such as grief over loss. They have unhealthy emotions, which are emotions that have become enslaving. And they have sinful emotions, which are emotions that violate God's commands. And just to clarify, most emotions in and of themselves are not sinful, but our response to those emotions can be. 
Rachel, you asked, should you discipline in love for meltdowns when he doesn't get what he wants? Well, there are two primary reasons for disciplining children, and they are direct disobedience and defiant attitudes. Since his meltdowns are sleep-related, I would encourage you to make sure they aren't the result of fear, such as fear of being alone or fear of the dark or fear of having bad dreams, as those aren't necessarily sinful emotions, but they are emotions that that can become enslaving without help. If you discover that fear is part of the equation, then I encourage you to help your child work through that fear, and we're going to get into how to help kids who are fearful in just a few minutes. But if the meltdown is nothing more than defiance to your authority because your son simply doesn't want to take a nap or doesn't want to go to bed at night, then yes, loving discipline is in order. There is a difference between meltdowns that stem from uncontrollable emotions like fear and anxiety versus meltdowns that stem from a defiant heart. I remember Wesley having a complete meltdown on a train at an amusement park one time. He was sitting behind me with my parents, and when he saw that we were about to go into a tunnel, he panicked. He started screaming and crying and climbing all over my mom with this horrified look on his face. And it was obvious that something was really scaring him and that his lack of emotional control was not an issue of defiance. Later, we were able to figure out that he was overwhelmed with fear, which came from me, allowing him to watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the one with Gene Wilder, (laughs) way too many times. And apparently, the tunnel scene had quite an emotional impact on him because he thought all those scary things in the movie were about to happen. (laughs) And just on a side note, I once heard a great acronym for that kind of fear. F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. Oh, that's good. Oh, and I, yeah, it is. I heard that a long time ago and it's it's really true. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to tell you guys one more story about Wesley having a meltdown when he was afraid and why he knew that he could always count on my mom, his Nana. I actually think this was the same trip, and Wesley and I were about to take off on a helicopter ride, and just as we were starting to lift off the ground, he flipped out looked over at my mom standing in the parking lot, and he started reaching for her from the helicopter and yelling, Nana! It was like slow motion. Mama jumped over the safety gate, started running toward the helicopter, so dangerous, and I am so thankful the pilot saw what was happening and set the helicopter back down because, let me tell you something, it was about to be a full-on Tom Cruise Mission Impossible stunt. (laughs) Nothing was going to stop Nana from getting to Wes. <laughs> or she calls him sweet baby. Aww. To this day, he's 29 years old. She still calls him sweet baby. But he's fine with it. And honestly, <laughs> she's earned that right. <laughs> so there you go. From that day on, or from that trip on, obviously, it was a very traumatic trip for Wesley. I'd say. Uh, with, <laughs> with both of those things happening all in, in the same weekend. But Wesley knew from that trip on that he could always count on his Nana. Mm. All that to say, again, we do have to consider the difference between meltdowns that stem from uncontrollable emotions like fear and anxiety versus meltdowns that stem from a defiant heart. So, Rachel, if you find that the meltdowns are stemming from a heart of defiance, then it's important to help your son understand that defying parental authority not only dishonors the Lord, but will also lead him astray and cause him a whole lot of trouble in his life. Mm. We talk a 
lot about that, as well as uh, taking these opportunities to teach even very young children about their sin nature and their need for Jesus. Uh, We talk about that in a couple of episodes that we did last year. That information was in episode 26, which was on the topic of when young children disobey, and episode 27, which was on the topic of disciplining young children. Also, Rachel, Ginger has four chapters in her book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, which thoroughly cover the physical act of how to discipline children biblically. And for our international listeners who don't want to pay an arm and a leg for shipping costs from the U.S., we do have a digital download called Reaching the Heart of Your Child, where Ginger thoroughly explains the use of the rod from a biblical perspective. So we'll put a link to those two resources as well as the two episodes Ginger just mentioned about disciplining young children when they disobey. We'll put those in the show notes. So, Ginger, we've had many questions come in from listeners, including Rachel, who are asking how to help their children cope with big emotions when when they're not defiance-related, such as fear, anxiety, depression, and anger. So how can parents help children process and respond to these sorts of emotions in healthy ways? Well, Katie, as we do a lot on our show, I think it might be beneficial if we talk about what not to do when our kids are struggling with big Mm. emotions. And then we'll look at some practical ways we can teach them to respond in ways that are healthy and biblical. First, we don't want to shut them down with statements such as, just calm down or stop overreacting. There's no sense of understanding or compassion or help in those responses. No one wants to hear statements like that when they're emotional, even adults. My husband learned real quick that it does not work out well for him to just tell me to calm down when I'm emotional about something. That doesn't work for you? I think, I think somebody just saying, relax, that really helps me to relax And, and a lot. don't pat me. Certainly don't pat me. <laughs> I come from a long line of women who do not like to be patted. It's so funny because Alex is about to marry Josh, and he's already learned before the wedding, do not pat her. We don't want pat. to be pat, patted. I don't know like, what that is. Mama's like that, too. Do not pat us. You can rub our shoulder, but don't pat. <laughs> you shouldn't have told me that. Great. Great. Now I've got ammunition. All right. So anyway, instead of shutting our children down, we can show compassion by seeking to understand and help them understand what's at the root of their emotions, which, by the way, my husband is very skilled at now. Yep. No padding. (laughs) No padding. (laughs) Once we have a better understanding of what's going on in the hearts of our children, then we're better equipped to help them process and respond to those feelings in healthy ways. A good place to start is to simply acknowledge how they're feeling. Sweetie, I understand that you're angry that your sister took your toy. Let's talk about a better way to respond. And again, we're going to get to how to help them respond to their emotions, whether sinful or not, biblically in just a few minutes. Another thing we don't want to do is to shame our children for their emotions. Saying things like, crying is for babies, or you need to put on your big boy pants and stop crying. Those are demeaning and damaging to children. It teaches them that emotions are bad when in fact, God is the giver of emotions and he often uses them for good. Ooh, that's a really crucial point to make, Ginger, because our culture, well, I'm speaking for our current American culture, but I imagine it can apply elsewhere. Um, Our American culture frowns on boys especially expressing emotions like sadness. Mm -hmm. Anger seems way more tolerated with boys, but we often hear people tell their boys to man up when they're crying or expressing sadness. Like who tells their four-year-old to man up? I mean, but that, that's kind of the Mm -hmm. attitude that we, that we project toward our boys. And similarly, or I guess conversely, girls are often shamed for showing anger, but 
coddled when they show sadness. So there can be so much confusion, even within the same family, as to how we handle and how our kids are to handle these big emotions. Mm, That's true. And also, shame itself is an emotion. And causing Mm. children to feel ashamed when they're sad or when they cry or when they're afraid sets the stage for them to struggle with condemnation, which does not come from the Lord. God's will is not for our children to wallow in shame, but to come to Him when they're struggling and when they're burdened by overwhelming emotions. In Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, that's so good. God gave us our emotions to draw us near to Him. So Mm -hmm. we do ourselves and our children a real disservice when we shame them for their genuine emotions. We might not like how they express them, and we should lovingly address that, but their sadness or anger or disappointment is actually a really great way we can point them to the joy and satisfaction that is found only in Christ. Okay, Ginger, what's the third thing parents want to avoid while dealing with an emotional child? We don't want to suppress their emotions. Even secular research shows that to suppress emotions is not mentally or physically healthy, and it's certainly not spiritually healthy, which is why our ch- why children of God are encouraged to not bottle up fears and worries and anxieties, but to pour them out to Jesus. First Peter 5, verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Also, on a side note, some parents only address the child's outburst of emotions from the standpoint of outward disobedience or spiritual discontentment. And of course, an angry show of emotion in response to parental authority is most often the result of a disobedient heart and should be addressed as such because we know that God has called his children to obey all the way, right away, and with a happy heart, or as some would call it, a joyful heart. That happy, joyful heart means that they are obedient even in attitude. In other words, they are to purpose in their hearts to have a cheerful attitude about obeying. To be happy in Jesus is to find contentment in Jesus regardless of circumstances. Mm -hmm. But what we have to understand is that contentment in Jesus is not the absence of emotions. Contentment in Jesus is the fulfillment of our Savior who meets us where we are, a Savior who provides hope and help for validated and unhealthy emotions and provides forgiveness and atonement for sinful emotions when we bring them to the cross. So no, we don't suppress our children's emotions with harmful statements like just calm down or or, you need to dry those tears and get over it. Instead, we show them how to take their emotions to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of their faith, the God who hears, the God who sees, the God who created them and who knows them so well that he has numbered every hair on their heads. He cares about every single emotion of our children, good and bad. When children learn to cry out to Jesus with validated feelings, they find that he is faithful to comfort and heal and strengthen. And when they cry out to Jesus in repentance for sinful feelings or sinful responses to validated feelings, they learn that he is faithful to forgive and atone and rescue. One dangerous and slippery slope parents are sliding down in our culture today is the validation of children's emotions over their need to understand that they are sinners in need of a Savior. Amen. Parents are becoming obsessed with helping their kids cope with the outward show of emotions, but are neglecting the spiritual state of their hearts. Mm -hmm. The child who is so angry at her brother that she wants to hit him is told that her anger is okay. Mm -hmm. 
but that she needs to take it out on something else, such as a pillow or a punching bag. Or I heard one mom instruct her daughter to lay down on the ground and pound her fist into the ground. But where does that leave her heart? How does punching a bag or, or punching the ground teach her about the sin in her heart and the rescuing help of Jesus? Because diverting her attention to a pillow or a punching bag rather than her brother's face is helpful in that mom doesn't have a trip to the ER and a $500 copay on her hands, but it does nothing. <laughs> <There's that. laughs> yeah, but it does nothing to guide the child's heart from imagining her brother's face while she's doing it. Exactly. And, and so the anger is still there. You haven't dealt with that. You've only prevented a fist fight for now, for today, or maybe that moment. So Ginger, I think you've already moved into one of the most important things parents can do, which is to take our children to Jesus in prayer. Yes, Katie, that is the single most important thing we can do. In preparation for this episode, I did some research on how to help children deal with emotions, and I read several articles and listened to several podcasts, some Christian, some not, and I have to tell you guys, I got distracted with all the quick tips and practical strategies to help kids physically calm down and get a grip on their emotions, and I can see how many of the suggestions would be helpful from a physical and even a mental standpoint, but again, what about spiritually? Shouldn't our primary concern be spiritual welfare of our children? When I asked myself those questions, I was so convicted because for hours I had allowed myself to become so distracted by what all the experts were saying that I'd left out what the expert says. Mm. I had pages and pages of notes and not one single passage of scripture written down. And then I repented because I'd gone to people before I'd gone to God. Mm. Y'all, if you ever hear me doing that, call me on it rebuke me. And if I don't listen, rebuke me again, because the only path I want to stay on and the only path I want to lead our listener friends down is the path that leads to Jesus. Mm. Now, let me be clear. It's wise to seek help and counsel from brothers and sisters in Christ, and the Bible encourages us to do that. So if your child is suffering with emotions such as fear, anxiety, or depression to the point that it's debilitating, please take them to a trusted biblical counselor for help. But please don't let that be a substitute for taking them to Jesus, who knows them better than any psychologist or counselor. Mm. And I'm here to tell you that the Word of God offers more help than any self-help book you can find. I don't care how many PhDs the author has. Amen. Our God knows His children, and He knows that Jesus Christ is the answer and the hope and the assurance and the solution to all of their problems, to all of their struggles, and to all of their validated, unhealthy, or sinful emotions. That's why he tells his children to come to him when they've become slaves to anything, including becoming slaves to their emotions. And guess what? The rescuing help of Jesus doesn't cost a thing. It's not only free, but it's the only real solution to freedom, freedom that Jesus purchased for us with his own blood. Some of the articles I read and podcasts I listened to offered so many practical tools and steps for helping kids with emotions that they, as I said, filled the pages of my notebook. But I found only two steps in the Word of God, which are to take them to Jesus in prayer and to saturate their hearts with the living and active Word of God. And those two simple steps promise far more hope and victory than any book, article, podcast, or Ph.D., 
You're bringing out the Baptist amens in me today, Ginger. That is so good. Well, I was excited when you mentioned this episode topic to me because it's the one I'm really interested in learning more about for my own sake, as well as for my kids. We've got some, in case you haven't noticed, I'm a bit on the dramatic side, tend to be a little emotional. Um, so like you, not like you or like that, but like you, well, I've like read me many. that too. <laughs> but I'll let you say it, not I concur. me. Um, but I've read many books and listened to countless podcasts on this topic. And most, if not almost all of them were from a Christian perspective, but very few of those resources even mentioned taking it to the Lord in prayer. If they did mention prayer, it was usually as an aside to the work that parents really need to do. Mm -hmm. And what's sad about that is that all this extra stuff, what we on our podcast call the practical advice, it's honestly what I want when I pick up a book or search for a podcast on that topic, because it can actually be more satisfying for me to feel as though I'm actively doing something. And the challenge with prayer is that I have to remove myself from the equation. Now, prayer isn't passive in that I'm not actually making an effort to pray, but it is passive in that I relinquish all control over what happens in the hearts of my children. I have no say in what the Lord decides to do in their hearts. But I do, to some degree, have control over their behaviors. And so many of those tips and tricks give me the ability to manipulate their behaviors and maybe even their big emotions. And again, like you said, there is space for these practical tips, but not at the expense of what the Lord wants to do in their hearts. My concern, gender, is that we've elevated these things, these tips, these tricks, these strategies above prayer, far above prayer. We either don't have the faith that prayer will work or we're too busy running around fixing things to even consider it. So, Ginger, I appreciate that reminder today that no technique or method or strategy will change our kids' hearts, but God's word does not return void. Mm. So, Amen. Now you're preaching. I'm, let's get it. Um, <laughs> we're starting to sweat over here. <laughs> <laughs> we, need our, we need our big Southern fans out so we can fan ourselves. Um, Ginger, as you looked to the Bible in preparation for this episode, what specific examples did you find in regards to how we can help our children take their big emotions to God in prayer? Well, Katie, actually, there's one more way of dealing with an overly emotional child that I want to caution parents against, and that's soothing emotions with food or entertainment or other temporary comforts, because encouraging them mm. to turn to something other than the Lord to soothe their emotions can quickly lead to addiction. Okay, hang on, because I don't think we need to let the opportunity pass. <laughs> so oh, you know she's going to get on that digital, Here we go. <laughs> that digital uh, soapbox again. Here we go. Go, well, Katie. I'll make it, I'll make it quick. But we don't need to let the opportunity pass without reminding parents that TVs, phones, tablets, all the digital resources out there can actually stunt our kids' emotional development, particularly when we use them as digital pacifiers. I think culturally, we're pretty willing at this point to acknowledge that handing a screaming toddler who's pitching a fit, you know, handing him a cookie isn't really excellent parenting, though I'm sure we've all done it. But I don't think we've all taken the time yet because it's so new to draw that parallel with digital candy, so to speak. But to your point, Ginger, handing a child a device when they're having a meltdown or acting out in some way isn't just problematic for their physical and their mental development, but we miss an incredible opportunity to point them to Christ. When we take the easy way out with those devices, we do little more than help them dull their emotions and not deal with them biblically. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Sorry. 
back on track. Okay. <laughs> no, that I, was good. I, <laughs> I asked you about what specific examples you found in regards to how we can help our children um, take their big emotions to God in prayer. All right. So what can we do to help? The Psalms have set forth a great example of how to deal with unbridled emotions. David dealt with a plethora of intense emotions, fear, sorrow, grief, betrayal, anxiety, loneliness, just to name a few. And every time he was overwhelmed with those emotions, he did four things to counteract them. He turned to God, he lamented to God, he asked for help from God, and he trusted God. Hmm. Well, Ginger, as always, we want to encourage parents to take every opportunity to point their children to Jesus. So walk us through how parents can help their emotional children respond the same way as the psalmist. First is to disciple children dealing with big emotions to turn to God, just as David did in Psalm chapter 4 when he cried out, Answer me when I call you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. As we turn our children to God, we should reassure them that Jesus is always listening when they talk to him. A good verse for that is Jeremiah 29, verses 12 and 13, which say, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When we encourage our children to go immediately to the Lord with their emotions every single time they're overwhelmed, it will eventually become their spiritual habit. Parents, hear me when I say this. Consistency creates habits. Right. So if a cookie or a tablet or even a reaction from mom is the comfort they receive, that is the comfort they will continually seek. That's right. That becomes their habit, and habits easily become addictions. Mm -hmm. So instead, we can teach our children to turn to God. Next, we can teach our children to lament to God as the psalmist did. Lament is the prayer language for God's people who are suffering. It's an honest outpouring of fears and frustrations and sorrow for the purpose of receiving renewed trust and confidence in God. In the Bible, lament was tied specifically to the emotions of deep pain, suffering, and grief. But because we serve a heavenly father who cares about every aspect of our children's lives and every emotion they have, he invites them to come to him with all of their hard feelings, whether sinful or not, because he longs to comfort and heal his children in every way. So whether their emotions are related to grief, regret, fear, anxiety, anger, or even disappointment over something that seems unreasonable or unfair to them, the best thing we can do for them is to encourage them to be honest with God about how they're feeling just as the psalmist was. Honest prayers usher emotions, whether validated, unhealthy, or sinful, into an eternal perspective, which is ultimately the only perspective that matters. Mm. David prayed in Psalm chapter 5, verse 1, Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In David's laments, he was always brutally honest with God about his feelings. When he felt lonely and anxious and fearful, and when he questioned if God was going to help him, or even questioned if God was even listening, David always talked to God about the specific emotions he was experiencing. Even Jesus, while he was suffering on the cross, poured out his heart to the Father by quoting a lament from one of the Psalms. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I just love that Jesus gave us that example. So pouring out our hearts through the Psalms is a practice we can all do with our kids. They don't have to come up with their own 
descriptive words to talk about their emotions. We can give them that as we read and memorize scripture together. It just occurred to me, Ginger, that many of the verses we have memorized together as a family tend to be more encouraging and uplifting in nature, but maybe we need to tuck in some really expressive laments for those moments when we just don't have the words to describe hard emotions. Um, Our pastor spent this past summer preaching through the Psalms of Ascent. And if I'm being honest with you, I was a little disappointed when he mentioned that sermon series. He is a wonderful expository preacher. So I was thinking like, give us Romans 8, man, let's tackle that. Uh, (laughs) But truthfully, these Psalms have been exactly what I needed to remind me that God's Word isn't all heady theology and doctrine and law. And I tend to really like those kinds of sermons, but the Psalms are filled with beautiful expressions of all sorts of emotions, and they serve as a reminder that all of that is intended to point us to Christ. We aren't to be controlled by our emotions, but we are to use them as a barometer of sorts for us and for our children as well. That's right. So as parents, we want to help our children identify where the emotion is coming from and then take those emotions to Jesus and talk about them. So getting practical, how does that look with our children in the moment? Well, if it's fear that they're struggling with, you might say something like, sweetheart, you seem to be afraid to go to sleep in your room tonight. Is that why you're crying? Let's talk to God and tell him how you're feeling. Or if it's worry or anxiety, you might say something like, honey, do you have a funny feeling in your tummy? Is it because you're anxious about your math test tomorrow? Let's talk to God and tell him how you're feeling. Or if it's anger, you might say, sweetie, you seem to be angry because your friend was mean to you today. Let's talk to God about how you're feeling. Mm. Obviously, these questions involve discernment, but so if you have no clue as to why your child is emotional, just ask questions like, I see that you're sad. What are you thinking that's causing you to feel sad? Or I see that you're angry. What's causing you to feel angry? And then take them to Jesus in prayer and show them wisdom for dealing with those emotions from the Word of God. Well, and if they aren't sure how they're feeling, because sometimes we aren't, um, or if they're too young to verbalize it, a feelings chart can be extremely helpful. So that has pictures of faces showing all the different emotions. So if they're feeling angry, they point to the angry face. If if they're worried, they point to the worried face. But one thing I've learned from the countless hours I've read and listened to on this topic is that anger tends to be a catch-all emotion. Sadness can really look more like anger. Disappointment, I know for me, often looks like anger. Fear looks like anger. Now that I think about it, I'm willing to bet that 90% of the anger I feel in my own heart isn't really anger at all. It's something else, and it manifests as anger. So. Yeah. Anyway, while we're talking about resources, another great one is the book, Tell God How You Feel, Helping Kids with Hard Emotions by Christina Fox. So we'll have Heather put a link to the chart and that book in our show notes. So Ginger, once we've helped our children identify the emotion and the specific reason behind it, what's the next thing we can do? Next is to teach our children to ask God for help. The psalmist would talk honestly with God about every emotion he was having, and then he always asked God to intervene and help. David said in Psalm 27, 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. When our children have a specific need, they can ask God for specific help. If they're afraid of a thunderstorm, they can ask God to protect them. If they're worried about passing a math test, they can ask God to help them remember what they've studied. If they're anxious about making friends, they can ask God to give them the words to say. 
if they're sad over a loss, they can ask God to comfort them. As we mentioned earlier, it's also important that we teach our children the power of praying scripture. When they pray directly from the word of God, they can be certain they are praying directly in accordance with God's will. Mm, That's right, Katie. So help them pray through scripture as it pertains to their emotions. Again, if it's fear, encourage them to pray through maybe Psalm 27, 1. Or or better yet, pray through it with them. Mm -hmm. That verse says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If it's worry or anxiety, pray Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which translates sends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If it's anger, maybe pray through Psalm 29:11. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And Galatians 5:22 and 23 is a good one for anger, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Ginger, something that I just thought about is that Well, first of all, the Psalms are songs. And so I have several that I really enjoy listening to that are taken directly from the Psalms. So I'll have Heather put a link to those songs as well in the show notes. And that might be a great thing to teach our kids. Sometimes it's easier to come up with something musical in the moment when they're really feeling those big emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And think about, I've had a lot of parents tell me that they play uh, scripture songs for their kids who are fearful at night. Mm-hmm. You know, you're Absolutely. putting the word of God in their hearts when they're laying there and they are afraid of the dark or they are afraid that they're going to have a bad dream. Putting the word of God in their heart, that's the last thing they think about as they drift off to sleep. Absolutely. Well, just to recap how parents can follow the example of the psalmist for teaching children to respond biblically to their emotions. We can teach our children to take their emotions to God in prayer, talk honestly with God about how they feel and ask God to help them in specific ways. Ginger, the last one you mentioned was that we should affirm to our children that when they cry out to God, they can trust Him to work. How can we affirm that truth with our kids? We can show them in Scripture how God always does what He says He will do. We see his faithfulness, not only throughout every book in the Bible, but also in our own lives. So let's talk about that with our children, which brings up another point. What's the example we're setting? Let's consider Proverbs 22, 6 and what that really looks like as it pertains to our children's emotions. That verse says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. There's a difference between training and teaching. A teacher tells others what to do. A trainer shows them how to do it. I Mm. love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1. He said, walk in my footsteps, do what I do. What would that charge look like for us as parents who are called to set a spiritual example for our children? In other words, how do our kids see us responding to fear? Do they see us allowing our fear to paralyze us and keep us from moving forward? Or do they see us talking to God about our fear and asking Him to give us strength and endurance? How do our kids see us responding to stress and anxiety? Do they see us complaining and whining? Or do they Mm. see us asking Jesus for help and trusting that He will? How do our kids see us responding to anger? Do they see us yelling and criticizing and casting blame on others for the anger we feel? Or do they see us crying out to God in humility and asking Him to help us love others the way He loves us? Okay, this is getting uncomfortable, Ginger. (laughs) 
You're stepping all over my toe. <laughs> oh, believe me, Katie. I'm preaching to myself here, too. I'll be the first to admit I didn't always get it right when mine were growing up, and I still mm. don't always get it right. I'm way better. I'm a way better mom now that I have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and grown kids. That's right. The hindsight is 2020. Mm-hmm. And while we're talking about the examples parents set, how do our children see us responding to sinful emotions? Do they see us validating them as if our feelings entitle us to excuse sin? Mm. Or do they see us confessing our sins to Jesus, who gave his life for that very purpose, that we might be forgiven from the sins that entangle us and clothed in his righteousness? We want our children to see the Bible as the instruction manual for how to respond to emotions and to see Jesus as their hope and help. What's so beautiful about the prayers of David in the Psalms is that many of them started with brutal honesty as to how he was feeling, but they always ended with a renewed trust and confidence in the Lord. And that's what talking to the Lord does. It invites the Holy Spirit to renew and strengthen our trust in God, and it brings about a peace that passes understanding. For example, David's lament to the Lord in Psalm chapter 13 started with, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? The Lord heard David's cry for help and answered with reassurance that calmed and comforted David's heart. That lament in chapter 13 that began with David expressing his fear, his frustration, and his distress ended with him saying, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. When we encourage our children to bring their emotions to God and pray through scripture, it takes them to a place of blessed assurance that truth is what God's word says, regardless of how they're feeling. The psalmist struggled with many of the same emotions our children do, and he was so wise. He was wise enough to express all of his deep, unbridled emotions to the Lord, which led him out of the bondage of being a slave to his emotions and into a sober-minded trust in God. And that's what we want for our children. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of... Ginger, which always makes me a little nervous. So Ginger, what Vaseline anxiety-related quick tip do you have for us today? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Katie, let me just say this. You need to be praying about that anxiety. (laughs) Actually, since I did a bunch of notes from articles and podcasts on how to help children get a grip on their emotions from a physical standpoint... I decided it would be a shame for all of those to go to waste. So one (laughs) tip that I thought was super helpful was having them take three deep breaths. And if necessary, get down eye to eye level with them and take deep breaths with them. And I will say that that helps even with adults. When I used to get nervous about speaking in front of an audience, I would take three deep breaths before I went on stage. And it always helped calm my fear and anxiety from a physical standpoint. So there really is something to that. Mm -hmm. Another great tip was to not give too many instructions at once to younger children because that can overwhelm them. And overwhelmed kids tend to be emotional. So break instructions down into one small task at a time. Okay. Well, those were actually really good tips. And thank you. (laughs) As someone who blacked out the first two times I ever spoke in public, I do recommend that people with that particular anxiety... Uh, they try taking deep breaths. That It really does help you help keep you from freaking out your audience. <laughs> I really wish I had a video of that. I am so glad TikTok was not a thing then because it, 
That'd be so embarrassing. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, how not to black out in public, anything at all. <laughs> we would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Well, Ginger, I want to say how much I appreciate you helping us as parents, grandparents, or even even our listeners who don't yet have kids but are going to be so prepared when they do, because those we do have listeners <laughs> we like do that. Have and those. I, yeah. I love them. But I appreciate you always pointing us back to God's word. It is so easy to get sidetracked by all the parenting methods and techniques and books and forget that God Himself has provided for us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything. He hasn't withheld anything from us that we need to parent our kids for his glory. So thank you for all the time you spend praying, pondering, and writing on this podcast to help us keep our focus on God's word. And now I will stop talking so you can leave us with a final word of encouragement. (laughs) When our children are struggling with big emotions, let's take those opportunities to point them to Jesus, who is their hope, their refuge, and their strength. Let's show them how honest outpourings of emotions to God will always result in real help and renewed faith. Only Jesus can move them from emotional bondage to emotional freedom and to a place where they can rest securely in His promises. Thank you so much, Ginger, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? We love reading these, by the way. We get wonderful ratings and reviews, and we're just so excited when we see those. And it really, truly does help get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their kids. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include all the links to everything we mentioned in today's episode. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering a 10% discount on her audio series called Reaching the Heart of Your Child. This is available in CD format or as a digital download. And this three-session series is based on the content of Ginger's best-selling parenting book called Don't Make Me Count to Three. And it addresses topics like how to reach the heart of your child, how to give a biblical reproof, and the biblical use of the rod. The digital download is perfect for our international listeners because there are no shipping costs. And if you enter the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com, you can get 10% off. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a corner. Thank you for joining us today, listeners. We look so forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. And for our international listeners who don't want to pay an arm and a leg for shipping from the U.S., we do have a digital download that's called Reaching the Heart of Your Child. And in that, gingerly... Gingerly. Gingerly. (laughs) I gingerly explain the use of the rod. Gingerly explains ginger. (laughs) That works, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Careful. We are to be careful with the rod. (laughs) If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice, advice...
<laughs> Let's give them some adverse. <laughs> what kind of advice are you going to give? We need to do one whole episode just in weird accents. Let's try that. <laughs> Not that we don't already have weird accents. <laughs> I bet a lot of people think we have a weird I, accent. Do you think so, Ginger? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs>